Well, good morning. Good to see all of you today. Excited to be with you. My name is Josh. If you don't know me and uh, one of the pastors here, welcome to all of you joining us online as well. Really glad uh, that you can be with us and uh, that you can join us today in that way. Hey, I want you to do a little uh, imagination exercise with me here while we get started, okay? So I want you to just close your eyes and imagine your favorite place in the world. Or maybe the favorite vacation spot uh, that you've ever been to. Do you got it? What's around you? Can you see it? What's it smell like? Do you feel a breeze maybe if you're outside? Do you see a person that you love if you're inside? Is there anything in the room that you can kind of grab and touch and feel or taste or smell? Do you have that image? All right, open your eyes. How many of you, if you could, you'd be like, oh, I'd go there, like right now? There's a handful of you, right? You would, you totally would. And that's incredible the way God has made us to be uh, people who have vision, who can envision things in our mind and can uh, even uh, go so far as to paint a picture of something that we don't see right now, but that we might see later and that we hope to see later and hope to experience and that if we could, we would go to right away. You know, uh, our God is amazing in that way and he makes us like him in his image. And today we're gonna talk about that a little bit, about who he is and how often he, he kind of paints pictures for his people throughout the Bible. Pictures of where he's taking them, where he wants them to go, where he wants them to be to motivate them to get there. And, and how, uh, how powerful that is in just our human imagination and our human reality as his people, as his image bearers. And then we're gonna take some time and I wanna try to paint a picture for you of some things we've been working on uh, for, for years and uh, especially the last few months uh, in church leadership and with a, with a team together. Uh, just a picture where we believe God is taking us, kind of a picture we believe he's painted for our church specifically in the future. Sound good? Well, with that, let me pray, and then uh, we're going to dive into the text, and uh, it should be a fun morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, and Lord, thank you that uh, you created us to be in your image, to have the ability to imagine, to have the ability to see and to feel and taste and touch, and all of those senses, Lord, even uh, in our mind's eye, and uh, we're like you in that way, Lord. You have dreams about us for the future, things that you've prepared in the past for us to do in the future. And so uh, help us live into that, and I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd help me as I both teach your word and just unpack some of the things uh, that you've been showing us uh, that it would be contagious for our church, Lord, for years to come, and that uh, you would receive great glory, others would receive great good, and we'd get a lot of joy. Got our time today, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, uh, if you got a Bible with you, uh, you can turn, if you want, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. But before, while you're doing that, uh, last week we talked about our identity as a church. And we talked about it in terms of like a picture frame, right? 
And then the, the, that frame is static and it frames up whatever photo, whatever image you put in it. Maybe that image you were thinking about earlier, maybe you've got a picture of that on a bookshelf or on the wall somewhere at home in a frame. And that frame stays the same, but you could change that picture at different times, couldn't you? Well, that frame we talked of is our identity, our, our mission, what we do. We're sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. Our values, why we do it. Well, because it's all about Jesus and because God wrote it all down, told us what to do, and uh, because all people matter. All people need to be loved and invited to follow Jesus. And because we all need friends, we need to love one another and do this together. And because there's no sacred cows, we'll, we'll, we'll put anything else aside other than Jesus and his word and uh, those truths to see more people come to faith in him. And then we talked about our, our strategy or your pathway of gather, gathering together and grow, finding a place to grow and then going and giving and serving somewhere somehow. And then ultimately we talked a little bit about our outcomes, which we'll talk more about today, that if you're really growing, you're gonna be receiving, you're gonna be growing in each of these ways, receiving from God, responding to God, receiving from other people, responding to other Christians in our church, and then finally moving out towards people who are far from God. And that's kind of our identity, that's who we are, but all of that frames up where we're heading. And so today we're gonna to talk about direction, but I wanna show you how God kind of does that with the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 28. So uh, here's what I want you to think about first is, and I've said this already, but God often paints pictures of where he wants to take us. He does this multiple times in the Old Testament. And sometimes we read the Old Testament, we think, oh, that's the Old Testament. That's what God did then. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why wouldn't God be in the business of doing those same things today, of helping us understand where he's taking us? He delights to reveal himself in that way to his people. But let's look specifically here uh, in Deuteronomy. And as you do, I want you to consider the difference between mission, which we talked about last week. By the way, I told you I was gonna challenge some of you. Do you remember our mission? We, you wanna say it with me? It's not on the screen today. We're sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. That's our mission. Mission is different than vision. And a lot of times different organizations or churches, they can conflate those two and confuse mission and vision and purpose. And they'll write these big, long, wonderful statements about their mission and their vision and everything else. They'll hang it on the wall and then nobody remembers it until the next annual meeting when somebody gets up to read it. It makes zero difference. Even though it's really good, it makes zero difference in people's lives because mission and vision are different. Mission is what we do. Vision is where we're going. More specifically, where God is taking us. And so you might think of, of mission then as a compass. It points a direction, right? You get your compass and you know what to do, where to go. We're sent to love people, invite them to follow Jesus with us. That's our compass. But vision is much more like a travel brochure. Some of you, maybe you thought of a place that's like a vacation spot and there's a travel brochure that goes with it when you were envisioning that favorite place earlier. And you could thumb through it and you get pictures and you can show it to somebody else who's never been there and then they get an idea of where that place is so that they could go too. 
Well, I would commend to you that in Deuteronomy chapter eight, God gives his people both a mission, what they're supposed to do, a compass of what to do, and he gives them a vision. He gives them a travel brochure of where it is they're going. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter eight. Uh, By the way, the setting for this is God's people have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and they're about to enter the land that God has promised to them, that he'd promised hundreds of years prior to their ancestor Abraham. And uh, they're getting ready to go back in and uh, God is speaking to them, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do so that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land the Lord swore to give your fathers. God's telling them, go in, take the land. It's yours, go in and get it. That's the mission. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and he let you hunger and he fed you with manna, which you didn't know. Manna actually means what is it? That was the food they had. That's why it says which they didn't know. Nor your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing didn't wear out on you and your foot didn't swell all of these 40 years. He points back to their past and reminding them of his faithfulness as they're heading into the future. Know then in your heart that as man disciplines his son, the Lord God Lord your God disciplines you, so you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. He gives them everything they're supposed to do. Go in, take the land, obey him, remember how he was faithful to him in the past, all those things, right? There's their mission. But now check out the travel brochure. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Would you like to go to this place, a land of brooks and water after you've been wandering in the desert for 40 years? That sounds fantastic. Of fountains and springs flowing out of the valleys and hills, not just this flat desert, but this beautiful place. A land of wheat and barley. Oh, something to eat other than manna. And vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olives and honey. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. Do you see the brochure? They're thumbing through it. Oh, they got olives there? I love olives, right? And they're, they're just thumbing through the brochure that God's giving them. He's giving them a picture of where he's taking them. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper and you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good of the land that he's given you. God loves and delights to paint pictures and reveal both himself to his people and where he's taking his people. In fact, when we say God wrote it all down, that's exactly what the Bible is, isn't it? It's God's revelation of himself and his desire for our future and his desire for our hearts. And so God often paints pictures and then the next thing he does is he guides our steps. But through, the, through the Holy Spirit, he guides us as we follow him. Uh, for instance, Proverbs 16, commit your work to the Lord and then what? Your plans will be established or some translations say your steps 
will be established. Uh, Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. God does it. Now, it's, it's both and, though. Do you see it? Because uh, they were committing themselves to the Lord, and they had plans that God established as they were committed to him. It's not that they didn't plan anything heading into the land. It's not that they, I mean, if you go read Joshua, it's not that he didn't have any uh, plans for how he was going to organize the people and where they were going to go and where they'd go first and where they'd go next. He had, they had it planned out. It was strategic. But who established every step? God did. The Holy Spirit did. It's both our plans and then him establishing it. And at different times, sometimes their plans, the Holy Spirit's like, oh, that's not it. Go this way. But he works through that, doesn't he? So it's not something where we just go, ah, we don't want to have any plans. We're just going to follow the Spirit. Well, except that the Holy Spirit, we're going to see here in a moment, actually writes in the Word, it's good to have plans. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You might say, well, what about James, though, Josh? I mean, come, come now, uh, you who say today or tomorrow will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Isn't planning boasting, saying, I know what's going to happen. I got an idea. Let's do this. Well, not if you understand that that plan is if the Lord wills, and he can change those plans at any moment, can he? He's still in control, and we're seeking him. And so know that God often paints pictures where he wants to take us and then guides our steps as we plan and as we follow him. Both of those are obedience. It's, it's not just like, oh, I don't know, what's the Holy Spirit saying today? It's also making plans and following them. God blesses that. He works through that. Uh, for instance, the Holy Spirit wrote this in Proverbs, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. He plans. Plans are established by counsel. And wise guidance, and by, by wise guidance wage work, they're established by counsel with a group of people. As we kind of unveil some of this stuff to you, kind of roll it out, there's a whole slew of people who've spoken into this that have been part of this process. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed, and the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everybody who's hasty comes only to poverty. You see in it? God delights when we plan and when we, we have a strategy and when we work towards that. Even Jesus said this, for which of you, if you're desiring to build a tower, doesn't first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and isn't able to finish, everybody who sees it begins to mock him, saying, this man began to build and he wasn't able to finish. What's Jesus saying? It's good to think ahead. It's good to plan ahead. Or, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And 
If not, then while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks him for terms of peace. Friends, here's the thing. God often paints pictures of where he wants to take us, and then he guides our steps as we plan and as we're obedient and follow him. It's both. And so uh, this vision we want to share with you is, is very much a result of prayer, following God, making plans, discerning, evaluating who we are, looking forward. I'll talk more about that probably here as we go, just for that process. But just kind of want to unveil it to you. And I want you to think with me and give you another metaphor to think about as you think about vision. And here's how we think about it as a church and a, a picture of where God is taking us as his people. Imagine uh, you're going on a car ride. You're going on a long ride in your car and you can picture where it is you're going. You can see that place in your mind's eye. It's out there, but you're not there yet. You can't see it yet. It's out over the horizon. But then in the background, you can also see the horizon. You can see some things that I know if I'm going to get to that place I'm going to, these things are coming next, right? And then there's, a, but it's a ways off, but then there's kind of foreground. Man, this guy's driving fast. There's foreground, and, uh, and, and you can see where you are right now and where it is you're going, can't you? And then the other horizon you have is kind of right on the dash of your car. You can, you can see the hood of your car, but you can also see all the instruments to know uh, how fast you're going. You can look over at your GPS and see where exactly you are on the map. And did you know what's incredible when we speak of vision is that vision is actually a, a good way to think about the way we think about the future and plan for it, visionary planning, because God, incredibly, one of our senses in vision is he created us with an incredible capability in our eyesight. In fact, did you know that uh, about 70 to 80% of what everybody perceives through their senses, for most people, comes through their vision? Assuming you're able to see and, and have decent vision. It, it encapsulates so much of your senses. But the other thing that's amazing is that your vision can focus, generally speaking, for most people, between something that's really close up, like your hand, go ahead and look at your hand, and something really far away, like imagine if we were outside, you could look up at the sky, or if you want to, you can just look across the room at somebody you were wanting to stare at and wonder who they were. You, and you can go back and forth really quick, just try it, you can go back and forth in what you focus on. In, in, do you know it's in 350 milliseconds? That's how quickly your vision can change focus. Optometrists call that accommodation. And that quickly you can change what you're looking at. And you do it hundreds if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of times every day. You're gonna think about that while you're driving home now today. But the reason I share all of that is to paint a little bit of a picture of uh, how we think about vision as a church family and where God is taking us. We think of it in terms of horizons. And you might take this picture that's inside the frame, it's all framed up, and you've got kind of the beyond the horizon over the mountains, that's out there ways, we can't see it, but then in the background you can see the mountains, you know that's coming. 
And then in the foreground, there's the road you're traveling on. And in the immediate, uh, you've got mile markers and signs along the road. And if you were to draw some lines on there, you could split up each of those horizons into different things. And what's incredible about this is that even in the same way that you can uh, look while you're driving and shift between focus of different horizons while you're going about life, this is helpful for us as we think about where God is taking us because we can do this uh, in terms of leading and, and following the Lord and working together as a church family, shifting between those different horizons of vision. And so here's kind of how we think about this, and then we'll start to uh, paint that picture. First off, beyond the horizon is we're going to lay out a, a vision, a picture of where we believe God is taking us for the year 2030, seven years from now. And then the midground in the background, we can't see it yet, but we can paint a picture and think of what it would be like. And then in kind of the, the, on the horizon, uh, we're going to look at four three-year goals that if we're gonna get over the horizon to that place of where God's taking us, these four things have gotta happen in the next three years. And then there's kind of the road we're traveling on in our foreground. That's like this next ministry year, and we'll spend some time talking about that yet this morning, of what we're gonna focus on as a church family this morning. And then uh, this is just 90 days, or we're just looking at it in terms of the fall, kind of four things that we're gonna be focusing on together as a church family this fall. And all of these things, that, that, those three-year goals kind of help us get over the horizon. That one-year goal helps us get over the horizon. And those uh, four fall initiatives kind of help us pursue that one-year goal. Does all of that make sense? I'm giving you like a little, uh, little extra today in terms of just kind of how we think about vision. You're either really liking it or you're bored to death. So let's go on to the picture of where God's taking us. Uh, we're calling our vision enduring reach. And here's, uh, here's what we mean by that. Uh, by the year 2030, so in other words, the 2031 ministry year, seven years from now, the people of Wawasee Bible, that's us, will engage in 10,000 gospel conversations with people who are far from God. And establish an enduring presence in at least two of our area local communities. And we're gonna do that by meeting practical, spiritual, and emotional needs of people all around us in the greater Wawasee Lakes area. So let me unpack that a little bit and talk about what, what I mean. Well, our mission, this is framed up by our, by our frame, right? Our, our, our mission, we're, we're sent to love people. And friends, because we're sent to love, we really intend to make a lasting difference in the communities to which we've been sent. We, we wanna go out and love people in a way that, that meets practical needs for them, that meets emotional needs, that meets spiritual needs that we're able to meet. Of the people that God has placed us near. Because he sent us each to our individual neighborhoods and vocations and all around. And we really see two key areas then where we can meet those needs. And the first, um, where, where we can have an impact, and the first is uh, to engage in those 10,000 gospel conversations. Now you're thinking, that's a, that's a lot of talking, Josh, and I'm an introvert. 
Well, first off, 10,000 conversations does not mean 10,000 people. We're saying 10,000 conversations. Uh, in this room right now, there's probably a little over 200 adults, right? Let's say every one of us uh, went out and uh, we engaged in a conversation with our pearl, the person that we're praying for, that we want to pray with, eat with, ask questions of, reveal our story and God's story to, and then love them tangibly all throughout. Do you know that over seven years, if you had a conversation, a spiritual conversation that makes Jesus the hero or that plants a seed of gospel truth or that shares the, the full gospel or that calls them to say, hey, make a decision. You, you should really put your faith in Christ. That if you had a conversation with that person, or maybe you've got a few of them, four times a year, once every three months. Now, if they're really your friend, I'm guessing you're talking to them more than once every three months. Chances are. But if once every three months you had that conversation, four times a year is all for each of us. In seven years, that's 5,600 conversations conservatively. So to push it to 10,000, that's totally doable. Is it a little bit of a stretch? Yeah. But God likes to take us from here to somewhere new, doesn't he? But imagine if we're faithful in that, what would happen? And you might say, well, Josh, why are we counting? I mean, why are we counting numbers? Well, because it's good to plan and it's good to just have a goal. You know what, if we get to the end of it and we only have 8,000 conversations, that might be uh, 7,500 more than we would have intentionally otherwise. Having that goal makes us be intentional. And so we'll, we'll be uh, revealing here over the fall just kind of how we want to go about counting that. But I want you to think about it. Because this isn't just for like, oh, that's a great idea for the church. Can't wait till they do that. No, this is for us. That's you and me, right? And here's the second piece of that. And those conversations a lot of times come about by meeting just practical needs of people that you love. The next part of that is we wanna see an enduring local presence in at least two communities. Do you know in a 10 mile radius of our church, there are uh, many communities, many small communities. Um, in fact, the 10 mile radius stretches from the middle of Napanee to the outskirts of North Webster to the south side of Goshen to Cromwell. All those little dots in there are people who in the last year have attended our church uh, multiple times, about 240 different homes. And it kind of stretches north and south along, primarily there's a big cluster in Milford and some in Syracuse, and then it kind of stretches north and south along 15. Imagine if we start having more and more conversations, how that might grow once that corridor over to 15 opens up on the road that we're situated on. And if we're intentional about that, and there's communities of, of, North, of uh, North Webster to New Paris, to Benton, to Leesburg, to Clunet, to Napanee, to Cromwell, to Millersburg, let alone Milford and Syracuse, up into Goshen. Do you know 50,000 people, according to the 2022 census, live inside that blue circle? That's gonna take more than 10,000 conversations. Do you know uh, that there's 18,000 households inside that blue circle? 
that inside that blue circle, just 10 miles away from our church, touches six different school districts. Imagine, and, many, and there's a number of you that live outside of that circle. And so the impact that we could have by just having those conversations and meeting practical needs of people and how the kingdom would grow. And the second thing, though, is because of those communities, we want to say, you know, there's something really unique about our church in that we're kind of out in the cornfields in the middle of nowhere. It means, in a very good way, we can kind of reach into multiple communities without that community feeling like, oh, why are they coming from that town over here? We're not really in a town. We can kind of reach into all kinds of them. But the downside of that is that sometimes we're not really seen as any part of one community either. And so we, we see the value of, of establishing some type of enduring presence. Our goal would be over seven years in at least two of those communities. Now that, we have a lot of work to do to define what that might be and, and follow the Spirit's lead in that. It might be a new campus of our church. It might be a brand new church plant. It might be simply a ministry in the community or partnering with an existing ministry where we, where we uh, are sent to love and we leave a lasting presence that totally outlasts us. Do you see? Imagine that picture in your mind seven years from now. Imagine the person you love and long to meet Jesus, part of that vision seven years from now. It's huge, but by God's grace, it's doable. So let's talk about a little bit, and we'll move quicker now how we're gonna get there, some things we need to see happen. First, uh, in three years, uh, one of our goals, you're gonna see this coming later this year, and we just kind of gave these different titles to make them memorable and for us to focus on, but financial freedom, meaning we wanna see our debt, which you'll hear about at the annual meeting, which is approximately $500,000, half a million dollars, which, uh, by the way, you've been very generous because in the last four years, we've done $1.7 million of uh, renovations and expansions on our campus and ministry improvements. Our annual budget is around 600,000. We wanna see that debt reduced to under 20% of our operating budget in three years. And so coming up this next year, we're gonna be focusing on that, on debt reduction and and giving and, and freeing up funds, why? so that we can have, uh, have a greater impact, longer lasting in the communities around us. Not just because we want to get out of debt, but because that frees up resources to do more for the kingdom, doesn't it? Uh, the second thing is uh, enduring foundations, we're calling it. So those two enduring presences, and maybe there's going to be more than that. Who knows how God might lead? But we want to identify... Uh, at least one of those two within the next three years and start to have a strategic plan of what that looks like. And so that's gonna take a lot of research, a lot of work, a lot of relationship building, a lot of things happening to find out what would that be for us. The third one would be what we're calling expanding the trellis. You familiar with how a, how a vine grows? Jesus says the church is his vine. Well, vines generally grow on what? A trellis so they can grow up. Well, the trellis is like the, the structure, the pathway, the ways that uh, we build leaders and, and grow people in their faith. And uh, if we're gonna do some of these things, we, we've, gotta, we've gotta grow people more, don't we? 
So we wanna expand that trellis to see more spiritual formation in our church family, more leader development, adding more staff in the coming years. And then uh, the third one, growing pearls. We wanna help you focus, we're gonna double down on that strategy of, of your pearl, of the one you pray for and eat with and ask questions of and reveal your story to and, and love tangibly. And we wanna, we wanna grow that person. We, we wanna pray for them passionately and see them come to faith so that they can know they're loved like we know we're loved. That's gonna be our focus over these next three years, kind of those four things in addition to what we already do. And then let's talk about this next ministry year. From now until uh, next August, what we're calling enduring growth. We're gonna, we're gonna really focus in on how do we grow corporately and individually, spiritually, over the next year. And one of the ways we're really gonna do that is, uh, I mentioned on our vision frame, that top part, our outcomes, kind of who are we becoming? Uh, who are you growing to be? And if, if you're really growing as a follower of Jesus, how do you know? How can I evaluate that for myself? How can we evaluate that for our church? And we, we use these arrows that uh, if you're really growing, you're receiving from God. You're in his word, you're hearing from him, you're spending time in prayer, you're gathering to hear his word taught, to hear from him. You're receiving from God. The fruit of the Spirit's growing in you. And that doesn't matter if you're a brand new Christian or you've been following Jesus for 40 years. You should be growing in your receiving from God. And then we want you to grow, I should be growing, you and I both, in responding to God, in, in repentance, in prayer, in worship, in following his lead, going where he sends us to go. And then in uh, receiving from others. We wanna grow, if I'm really growing, I'm gonna be receiving, there's gonna be more, there's not necessarily more and more people, but there's going to be people who have more and more of a window into my life. There's people who know me and who pour into me, right? Because we all need friends. We all need relationship. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. And not only that, but then I'm moving toward other Christians. I'm not just consuming, but then I'm, I'm moving towards others too because it's not all just about me. I've gotta be a friend and not just have friends. And sometimes that's the really hard part, isn't it? But we wanna grow in that way. And then finally, we all wanna be growing in how we're, we're moving out and we're going out toward those who are far from God with the love of Christ. And so over this next year, you're gonna see five different tools kind of rolled out for you to help you grow in that way. In each of those five areas, you're gonna see an evangelism campaign coming in terms of just preaching and teaching in the spring as we head towards Easter and other opportunities to really, uh, really grow and, and form ourselves spiritually to be more and more like Christ, to do what he can so the spirit can do his work. Sound good? That's our focus this year, enduring growth. And so we see this fall, a few things um, that we wanna start and initiate this fall. First is a growing culture of prayer in our church. Um, 
Cassidy, I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'll just point you out now, but then I won't after this. Do you know Cassidy comes in uh, every Sunday morning? Uh, she walks through every pew, every row during worship rehearsal and prays for you that you've already been prayed for before you walk in here, before you sat down. And God knew, it, yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> That, that God knew exactly where you were going to sit today. And she just spends time praying for you. But it'd be awesome if it was more people praying, wouldn't it? And we want to see that. I point that out. Uh, one, to encourage you, Cassidy, because it's, it's great, but also to encourage all of us to say, how do we grow that heart in our church? And so we're going to uh, spend some time trying to grow that culture in our church, uh, take some steps towards that this fall. Uh, also, this next one, here's a big word. This is the one time I'm going to stump you today. Cultural exegesis. Do you know what exegesis is? This is the nerdy pastor word, just so you know. Exegesis is when you study God's word and you draw out of the text. You say, what does the text say? And so I'm going to pull out meaning from God's word. There's a reverse word called eisegesis where, oh, I have this idea, so I better go find a passage of scripture that fits my idea, and I read it into the text. We don't want to do that. We want to draw it out. And so by this, this is working towards those enduring presences, saying we want to study our area, study uh, demographics, study all those things, to draw out and find out where are the greatest needs in our communities. And not only that, but also within our church family. We wanna exegete our culture. Uh, the third thing, uh, we're calling garden tools, or I'm calling it that. Those are just two of those, we're gonna have at least two of those five tools rolled out by the end of this calendar year to you on those five outcomes. And then the last piece, last Sunday I talked about the puzzle, turning the pieces, getting them to fit kind of this communications and strategy, really fleshing this out more and more over the course of this fall, finding champions for each of those different strategies and uh, communicating it well over and over to where you're so tired of hearing about it that you're just gonna do something about it. And that's where we're headed this fall. We really believe that, that God in his grace has revealed these things to us. We spent... Um, we spent hours and days on this. Tons of time in prayer, tons of time uh, uh, working. We actually had a group of 12 that gave a full weekend in early June toward this. If you were part of that group, would you just stand? Some of our ministry leaders and other key people in our church, not everybody's here today, but a number of you, thank you for your work on that. It's awesome. And uh, uh, you could ask them about that process. And then our elders had a retreat in March where we spent a lot of time uh, working on some of these things as well. And those weekends are intense and they're tiring. Um, but God's been working. And so that's the picture. 10,000 conversations, sharing Christ with people who are far from God and by his grace, meeting needs and establishing an enduring presence beyond just the cornfields in at least two of our local communities. For Jesus' glory, others' good, and our joy. 
Amen? Yeah. So, as you leave today, there's copies of this and kind of everything I shared that you can read through and look on your own, and I want you to take that with you, read through it, and uh, there's some other stuff there as well, Um, but uh, I'm excited about this, so would you commit yourselves just to praying toward this end? And um, you're gonna hear more and more and more about this focus in the, the weeks and days and years to come, by God's grace. But one last thing as we wrap, and then we're gonna sing and call it a morning. I wanna give you one thing for you personally, because our focus this year, let's just get started, is enduring growth. And we're gonna dive into these five outcomes of receiving from God, responding to him, receiving from others, moving toward others, and moving out towards those who are far from God. Uh, in your, hand, in your uh, handout this morning, right inside the front cover, you can see those listed there. And there's just some questions. And what I would challenge you to say is, okay, which one of those five areas is one where over these next couple months, I, I, I could really grow? And there's some questions just to ask. You know, am I reading, on receiving from God, am I reading the word regularly? Am I gathering regularly to hear the word taught? Is there fruit of the spirit in my life? Maybe uh, you need to respond more to God. Am Am I worshiping Jesus or something else most? Am I talking and listening to God regularly? Is there a relationship there? Am I repenting of my sin? How about the third one? Am am I receiving from others? Am I in community with other Christians in our church who have a window to speak into my life? Maybe you need to grow in that way. Or uh, number four, am I moving toward others? Am I contributing to and initiating community, being a friend to other people in our church? Or am I just consuming? Maybe I need to grow in that area. And then last, maybe, maybe I just need to grow the most in going out on mission? Am I regularly moving out toward those who are far from God, loving them, sharing God's story with them and my story with them? And maybe you'd pick one of those and just pray about for God to help you with this year. Maybe this week. Maybe you'd pick one aspect of each of those and pray and ask God to work in your life. We'll be talking about them a lot this year. And by God's grace, all of us, including the guy on the stage, growing a ton in in each of those areas. Amen? Let me pray. Uh, Josh is gonna come lead us as we sing and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up our service. Let's pray.